This is restless. Welcome back to Restless and the Summer Interview Series, where if your name is Rob McKenzie, we keep bringing you back. Welcome back, <laughs> Pastor Michael and Rob. Uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start tapping out my location in Morse code, if anybody could please help. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Rob, it, it's great to have you back. You know, as we've made clear with your last interview, you can come on and talk about anything you want. Uh, great. We, I love we, coming on with you guys. We loved coming, having you on last time and talking about uh, Seeker's Progress, which right now you can go and get a copy of, which both Michael and I recommend. But today we are going back uh, to the, the evergreen tree of content for us, which is New Calvinism. Yes. It came up briefly in our original interview with you, and I believe... You know, the, the glorious thing about being a podcaster is the the off recording conversations you get to have. And we talked a little bit about new Calvinists and their relationship to trained clergy, you know, this uh, theological education. And and Rob, you had you just had some things that were very interesting to me in regards to it. And so we just want to have you here. We want to talk about it for a little while, uh, hear what you're thinking as a uh, as a ruling elder, uh, what you're you're thinking about as a seminary graduate yourself, just like Pastor Michael, I I will not make that claim to we'll myself. Get there. We have hope. That's right. And and so you know, one thing you mentioned about uh, you know many not even necessarily new Calvinists, but younger Calvinists, Rob, that as you were in seminary, right? One thing you noticed is that a lot of the the people going into ministry were then later coming to seminary. Yes. And you, right. and you seem, and you seem to find that curious. My <laughs> experience being my age uh, and, 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 and sort of done that myself is, isn't, isn't that what everyone does? <laughs> uh, and so I, I just want to, you know, I want to, yeah. What is, what is distinct about that view of, of training for ministry? What is, what is either what is commendable what what's um uh, maybe confusing about that well just let's say you um your your appendix was about to rupture and you uh, were rushed to the hospital and you uh were laid on a gurney and the doctor walks in and he's like he looks at the nurses and says appendix oh, i'm looking forward to that class that, that that's kind of how i see this with with pastors you're or or and this stemmed from a different conversation or, or what your whole podcast is about the young restless and reform. We have all these people and we talked about the, the, the two different waves and, and everything, the going back to MacArthur and, and the um, worship controversy and that, but bringing it into the young restless and reformed, there was this huge influx of people that had grown up in either uh, kind of a, a dispensational background or what I like to refer to as squishy evangelicalism, where it was just very fluffy, you know, yeah, there was Jesus and everything, but really there was no doctrine. And all of a sudden they uh, started to hear and read John Piper and R.C. Sprawl, you know, and, and these great, really good sermons. This, this was good stuff that they're listening to. The Holiness of God is a fantastic book. And should be read by everyone. And knowing scripture, Ursus Pro is so fantastic. And they came in and they became Calvinists. 
And what happened early on was this was happening with my generation and we were becoming reformed confessionally. But in this early 2000s with the, with the Young Restless Reform Movement, they weren't really becoming reformed confessionally, but they were becoming Calvinist and reformed-ish. So they, they really did had a, a covenantal understanding, but it wasn't a robust understanding, but it was there. And they were uh, having a three or four month internship in their church. And then they were being sent to the inner city to plant churches. And it was, it, so many of them were burned out and destructive. And I knew people that went through this that would leave the faith or end up in liberalism or just, or stay in the church, but were so burned out that they would never, ever want to even hold office. They would never want to be a deacon because they were just too burned out. And what happened with us when we were in seminary, when I started seminary, just before you, you had started, is we started to see the, the people that had gone through this uh, six-month boot camp and then thrown to the wolves that had now been calling themselves pastors for 10 years, but had never really been trained, were starting to realize that they needed the training. So that way they didn't walk into the operating room and have to perform an appendectomy without actually having the training for it. Uh, ministry, is, ministry is hard and you need a good educational foundation in order to do well. Now, there are people who get really good educational foundations that don't do well, but it's, it's less of a percentage than people who never had the training that were thrust into even a, a regular ministry, not something that's really hard, but just something. And they failed because they never were taught um, how to prepare a sermon even, or how to counsel somebody or, or what they, they weren't, they didn't have those classes as we've had where you have a seasoned pastor up there saying to you, what are you going to do when your elder's 12 year old daughter comes in pregnant by her father? You pray that that would never happen. And, and in one sense, until you get into that kind of a situation or a situation like it, you, you don't really know what you're going to do. But having the training of that seasoned pastor going through class with you, going through pastoral theology, going through counseling classes, being able to give you different scenarios, and then reading the books and taking the tests and actually having that foundation of these are the things you can do when situations that we don't want to be in come up and they will come up in church. Um, it, it just prepares you. And so we had this, this um, the, the, what you're referring to, the, this group, the neo-Calvinists, the Young Restless Reform that did that, that um, I think was, was harmful to a lot of people, not just them that went out and were burned out or ended up leaving the faith, but the people that they were ministering to. Now, of course, you always have some people who never were trained. They did a three-month crash course, and they went out to some to plant a church. And by God's grace and the, how God has gifted them, they were able to sit there and study on their own and be able to do good sermons and be able to handle the tough counseling situations. And they were able to, to be a good pastor without the training. But we never take the anomaly, and then, then create what we should do. We always take, what does scripture tell us to do? And I think scripture tells us that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to study, we're supposed to be trained. And I think we have examples from scripture that actually give us 
the foundation and the, I would say that the, the actual structure of what that looks like for a pastor. Yeah. Could you actually go into that a little bit? Uh, so, you know, I, I just imagine a lot of the, the push, especially in the new Calvinist circles, when it came to church planting, getting people out right away, it's, you know, the, missionalism in general, right. To be a missional uh, was very much like, well, look at the book of Acts, you get people, you send them out. Like there's just this like really quick idea of, you know, this is what it looks like uh, when this happens. So what would you say to somebody who's saying that, like, it, isn't this yeah. what we're taught to do? No, it's great. And I've, yeah, it's a great question, a great point. Um, first of all, I'd say that if your model is based on we have to hurry up and get ministers out there to save people, you're no longer relying on the sovereignty of God and his kingdom. He is building his kingdom. You, we do not need to go into a situation unprepared on normal occasions. There's always anomalies. There's always... Uh, you know, other situations that might take us to that place. But we, we have to be careful that we're, we're looking at, at the actual sovereignty of God to run his own kingdom and not have to, he doesn't need us to rush out there. But where I see in scripture that we're given the model for this is, first of all, you had the disciples that were trained by Jesus for three years. They, they had all this knowledge put into them. And then after Christ ascends, the spirit comes it's not as if, okay, you've had these three years, now the Spirit's come, now go. No, Christ says, I'm going to send you the helper. He's going to show you what you will do. He, he's going to continue your education. So their education- And remind you stop. of everything that I have yeah, taught you. Exactly. When um, often, often uh, the, Paul is brought up as an example. To, well, look at Paul. He, uh, he gets saved. And then he's preaching the next day, which, you know, yeah, okay, he, he kind of was, but he was also told to stop. Um, Paul, he, he goes and he's taken to the desert for three years. And he tells us that he was taught by Christ in the desert for three years. We have no idea what that actually, what he meant by that. Did he keep seeing visions? Did Christ actually give him visions and teach him? Was he just reading the scriptures? We don't know. But we have his testimony of he was taught for a few years by Christ himself. And then what did he do? He was His ministry after those three years of, of the seminary of, of Jesus Christ, he had 14 years of ministry in the desert where he was honing his, everything he had been taught, he was now putting into practice. So when he goes out from Antioch, on his first missionary journey, he's had 17 years of training before and he goes a, on. To you school. know, pretty much a lifetime before yes. that in learning the point. Old Testament, right? That's so, a great point. Yep. so if you're an Old Testament right. scholar and you've been learning the Old Testament, but you're an unbeliever, and then you know the yes. the risen Lord appears to you and speaks then to you, you only and need 17 years. Is that what you're <laughs> then saying? you only need 17 so, years? Yeah. So, 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 so what I'm hearing is that. In the, the apostles' life, they got a, a master's of divinity. After Pentecost, they got that, they got the the doctorate of ministry. Work. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. And, <laughs> and so I think you know, there was a huge revolution in my mind. I'll just say when you know this analogy, Rob, you used earlier, right? That there was actually a time when it was normal practice in the church to view the training of pastors like a doctor. Absolutely. Because yeah. it was a doctor of souls, right? 
Martin Butzer's right famous book of the true care of souls, right? This right. you just like you don't want a a person operating on you, as you said, you wouldn't want um, you know, an, an an untrained, an untrained pastor in that way operating on your soul. Pastor Michael, I think I think that this has been a very strong case for trained clergy. Pastor Michael, are you, I, I don't even know. I'm just having fun. I guess I'm trying to cause a problem, <laughs> but I'd love to. Are you on the same page as Rob about, about seminary, you know, this, or, or training? Maybe, you know, we don't need to necessarily put it yeah, that it way. It can look what, different. It can, yeah, it yeah, can, yeah, yeah. What, what would your view of this, of this be? Yeah, I, so I definitely am uh, of the mind that uh, a man going into ministry should be trained. Um, part of that is so that he actually learns, right? So that he is, he's prepared. Part of that is simply the, uh, you know, the time that it takes for the church to judge whether or not this person is yeah. called to the ministry, right? Point. So yeah. I think one of the reasons that you see a pretty high burnout rate amongst pastors, and I think I think this in part because of my own experience, because I went to seminary with a lot of them is that they should never have been chosen to be a pastor, right? Like they, they shouldn't be pastoring a church, uh, but they just happened to like, you know, graduate from, uh, from high school. And then they said, well, I'll just go to a Bible college. And then, well, I guess I'll get my you know master of divinity. And then, well, I guess this is the career path that I'm on now. And so I like, I don't have any other skills. I don't have any other abilities to do something else right now. And I have to feed my family that I now have. So I guess I'm going to be a pastor and they really shouldn't be there in the first place. And, and part of that is because nobody has told them, uh, hey, this is a bad idea. Sometimes because they're actually disconnected a lot of the time from a local church where they have godly elders who would tell them those sorts of things. Uh, part of it is, I think, uh, one of the problems with a lot of the modern seminary model. And, you know, the same with basically any of my critiques of, of modern seminary, at least most of them, uh, have to do the same with most uh, higher education within, you know, kind of the, the typical uh, structure that we have right now in universities. Uh, but uh, I think that there is a significant incentive for a lot of seminaries today to try to bring in as many people as possible because they make a lot more money that way. And uh, like, this is a, this is one way to keep them is to just, you know, you don't, you don't weed people out and say, oh no, you really should not be doing this. Uh, maybe the extreme cases, but most people you just, you know, you know, carry on. And so, you know, maybe that's, you know, partially flavored by my experience, but, uh, but I, I fully agree uh, that you want pastors who have had significant training. I am very, uh, I don't know, I'm a bit down on a lot of the modern seminary model, not, not maybe because I, I don't think that, you know, seminary itself could work. Uh, but I would like to see a significantly, uh, a model that is, is much more tied to the ministry of the local church than I think it often is. And so that's, that's maybe where, you know, I would go with the conversation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Rob. Uh, so yeah, that is a good question. Rob, do you think traditional seminaries are producing these kind, the kind of pastor we're talking about? Are doing a good job at producing the the trained the the doctor of your soul that this shepherd um, yeah this overseer. I think that I I agree with Michael that I'd like to see a little bit more tie between uh, people that are going through seminary and the the local church. 
Um, I think some seminaries do it better than others. Um, there are certain seminaries that are more geared toward um, academic beyond uh, the seminary degree. So they're, they're making sure uh, that the people coming through are on track, that if they are going to go do their doctoral work and maybe be teachers, that they can do that. And because everything's lumped together, the actual training of the pastor um, is neglected. I think that's that's I think that does happen, but anything is is a balance. So then uh, there's other seminaries that are criticized because if you go there, when you uh, graduate from there, you're not going to be able to go on to um, the the big uh, colleges to get your doctoral work. You can go on to other things, but um, although I think maybe that's changed a bit, I think the the most important part is that the man for the ministry is being trained for the ministry and there are ways perhaps you can pick up a couple extra classes if you're if you want to move on to do doctoral work uh to because you want to be a teacher there 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 are electives and things like that that maybe could be incorporated into how somebody is trained for that but i i agree with michael that i think there's a lot of seminaries that have started to fail um for uh, the training of the pastor. And I think I agree with Michael as well that uh, once once you, you're trying to get as much money out of people as you can get and you're gearing your curriculum and the way you're doing it uh, from a financial basis uh, just to try to bring in, how can we bring in more money? How can we bring in more money that you probably lost the, the emphasis of what a seminary is supposed to be. Yeah. And I think, so uh, one of my, I don't know, there's one of my uh, issues a lot of times uh, with the seminaries is maybe not, you know, a problem with the seminaries per se, uh, but it's that uh, this is again, heavily, you know, heavily influenced by my personal experience. Uh, but I also happen to, you know, be a pastor who knows a lot of pastors, knows a lot of people who have been through seminary and I've had a lot of these conversations. And so, so it's not just me, uh, but there are so many things that seminary uh, tries to do that it just will never, I do not believe be good at. Uh, whereas there are certain things that a, a seminary can be really good at. Um, so for instance, I think that when it comes to the study of theology and Bible languages of the Bible, things like this, mm-hmm. I think that the, that seminaries have a really great chance at doing a v- very good job at that. Uh, but I think maybe in part because there's been a significant disconnection between a lot of seminaries and uh, the understanding that, no, you're involved regularly in a local church where you're being shepherded, where you're being led, where where people are trying to help you figure out whether or not you're actually called to the ministry, things like this. Um, the seminaries have oftentimes had to take on a little bit of the role of doing some of those other things. So even when we talk about uh, something like you know pastoral care, pastoral counsel, um, I think a lot of seminaries say things like, wow, we produce a lot of guys who are, you know, heavily academic, but they don't know how to like care for people. They don't know how to counsel people and those sorts of things. My contention would be that I actually think that this is what seminaries for. Um, I think seminaries for uh, especially the higher academic training. Um, I think that that is what seminary is going to be best at. I want a pastor to be prepared for counseling, 
for you know act, the actual care of souls, the actual shepherding of the people. Uh, but I think that the people that are best suited to do that are often going to be people in the ministry themselves. And what you'll often get in uh, in a lot of seminaries, you know, again, this is not all. There are some who do a better job than others, but you won't have you know an actual shepherd of the sheep coming in and you know telling you, like you said earlier, stories of you know here's what it's like, and are you prepared for this, and 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 here's some of the curveballs that might come. Here's a good way to begin. Uh, instead, you'll get like a well, here's a licensed counselor, and they'll teach you counseling. And here's a you know person yeah. that learned Greek, they'll teach you Greek. Here's this person, and uh, so what I would like to see, and actually uh, just. Uh, Shout out and little plug uh, for the Wisconsin Presbytery of the PCA. Um, one of the things that uh, you know we've had guys that are working toward, and I think trying uh, and and doing a pretty good job with, is uh, working with some seminaries like uh, RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary. Um, I believe they just started maybe do this with Covenant, uh, but uh, where they will use we you know these seminaries have great distance learning programs uh, or, you know, modulars where you can go for a time, spend some time on, on campus, do other stuff from a distance. Uh, and then when we're talking about those soft skills of ministry, um, the actual care of souls, the shepherding, the, all, all these, these day-to-day aspects of a, the pastor's life, uh, what you're doing is you're working through those issues with pastors in our presbytery, you know, uh, you're, you're ha- heavily involved in the ministry of a local church all while doing this. And so I just would like to see more of that kind of a model um, moving forward where, you know, uh, things are moving in the direction where, again, you know, the, the pastor is being trained on the ground. And then when it comes to some of those, you know, uh, things that you want a uh, Hebrew scholar to teach you Hebrew because you will learn more than just, you know, a guy who knows Hebrew uh, because he learned it from a Hebrew scholar. And so you want that kind of a, a, a thing. And I think that especially with the way uh, the world is now, the technology that we have, you have a way of meshing those two things together much, much better than maybe you did at one point. It sounds like you're saying the role of seminary is to provide the kinds of training that is not possible in the local church. And so obviously a major thing would probably be, and that would be more academic things. So that would be original languages. Perhaps that would be theology, some, you know, some, some degree of theology. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I wouldn't want to go as far as to say like, it's not possible in the local church, sure. but it's, it's far more unlikely that you will find this, you know, in uh, rural Wisconsin. Right. Well, your, you- your senior pastor could probably do most of those things, right? Yeah, Where you right. are. But- when you're when you're learning uh, when you talk about theology, you know, if you're going to take a class on uh, you know systematic theology or pneumatology or, or eschatology, you 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 need to be doing that in an academic setting. It's the or it's the best way to learn it is in that academic setting. When when you're talking about how to care for uh, for parishioners in the church, for the elderly, for people who are in hospital, for um, for people who at one time were in prison and now are in your church. Um, the, it's good. You can have some, I, I love what Michael said, where it's like, if you're in seminary, it's best to have a seasoned pastor that's going to come in, even if it's sort of segment of, or a couple classes, than to have a licensed counselor that's going to come in, because you're not going to be a licensed counselor, you're going to be a pastor. But where you're really going to learn that kind of stuff is when you're in your church and you're going with the pastor of the church and you're going to the hospital and you're going to people's homes and you're going, you know, that's how you really learn. And so I wonder, and Michael, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this. Do you think that um, because seminaries have have actually become uh, or are so big and they're so um, 
you know, so good at their jobs when it comes to uh, how many classes they offer and all the things that they're going to talk about, that churches, the local church has kind of stepped back from the training of seminarians. That's an interesting question. I'm sure that that is at least uh, happening some. Um, I I would want to say too. So like, I, I think probably you do see that. You see the a disconnection where churches think, oh, well, I send, you know, we send our, you know, young men who are interested in the ministry, we send them to the school, they come back ready, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that is a, an unhealthy, you know, way of viewing this, right? The, the church, the local church should be actively engaged uh, in the, you know, the kind of raising up of the next generation of ministers. I also think then on the other hand, you know, you have uh, churches themselves have become uh, these, you know, kind of uh, bureaucracies where you have this growth in the local church bureaucracy, where it's not just, hey, as a pastor, you're going to be, you know, meeting with people, shepherding them, and you're going to be preaching the word of God, and you're going to be teaching, uh, you know, Sunday schools and catechisms and things like that uh, in really a simple way. Uh, It's, you know, pretty straightforward. It's, you know, you administer the sacraments. There's like, here's how you do these things. Um, But now, especially, you know, with certain models of church, especially as we talk about things like new Calvinism and, and you also have to be transforming the culture and you have to then all of a sudden become this like great cultural critic and expert in all these other areas of sociology. And you have to add all this other stuff um, that is now going to be added to what it means to be a pastor. So now all of a sudden, if a seminary is really preparing, like doing a good job preparing the pastor, well, then they have to get into all these other areas of, you know, intercultural work and things like that. And like, so you're just adding more and more that you have to do. Uh, while you do that, uh, there's also going to be a growth in the bureaucracy of the seminaries themselves, like all higher education today. And uh, maybe even one of my least favorite things about seminaries right now is you send these guys off, they go to these seminaries and maybe they get trained well, maybe they don't. And then they enter into a ministry. Let's say the average pastor is going to be in a church with probably around 100 people, 150 people or less, right? So, so the average church in America, I believe, is less under 100 if you're people. in the OPC. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. But like, that's, you know, like that at most, like that's what you're going to be at. Right. Um, yeah. And like, you're probably not going to make a ton of money. And now you're strapped with all kinds of debt because you've gone to mm-hmm. uh, go do this. And uh, to create a system where we would say, hey, this is the only way you can do this, right? We're not going to let you be a pastor unless you have an MDiv from some one of these institutions. Um, I think is really dangerous at this point for that reason. I think there, there's a lot of, uh, of other problematic pressures, especially related to the financial aspect that that's going to place on, on men entering the ministry. And so, I don't know, all of these different things together make me think, okay, there's something wrong in this system. Uh, it's not that the training of pastors uh, academically or even at a seminary, like separate from the local church is problematic in my mind, but I, I, am, uh, I am not... I'm very skeptical about the current seminary model and whether or not it's actually healthy in the training up of pastors. Well, you know, I I got one, I have one question, you know, as we think about seminary, if you log into reform Twitter for any amount of time, which I do not recommend, (laughs) uh, you often see a debate then as people think about seminary about who, who is seminary for who's, who should be going to this, right? You know, so Michael has kind of talked about the problems of you go to seminary and it becomes kind of a careerist thing. Well, then that means I'm going to become a pastor, right? Then you have people who maybe they're just in a local church 
and they think, well, I'm really interested in theology, you know, maybe I should go. Uh, and, you know, that can include men and women who feel that way. You know, obviously you have people who desire to be pastors and people who are already in ministry. Rob, who, what would you say the, the appropriate role, and maybe there isn't, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this issue of who, who seminaries for, who should be looking towards this? Yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think we, we've entered into a lot of different areas here. Uh, one is, uh, you know, who is seminary? Well, like I said, who is seminary for? What is seminary supposed to be? Should people go to seminary? Uh, how should the shir- churches uh, deal with their seminarians? How should pastors? Do- so there's a lot of different aspects to all this, right? And so what what I think is the most important thing is that men need to be trained for the ministry, mm. and that needs to be done in an academic way. It needs to be done. Uh, there's certain aspects of ministry that are essential, like learning the languages, like understanding theology, like understanding how to preach, understanding how to counsel people. There are certain things that are just essential to being a pastor. And if what we're saying is that seminary is for the training of men for the ministry, then it should be men that go to seminary. Mm -hmm. Now, that does not mean that an institution can't have classes open to women sure that 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 are coming to women can you know they're just as capable as men to learning and passing the classes uh that's not the issue here but but it it, sometimes it does become that it's it's we can't allow ourselves as the church to get pulled into this this liberal feminist argument about you know are are we treating women as lesser people, because we say that seminary is for men. No, we're saying that if seminary is for the training of pastors and only men should be pastors, then that's what seminary is for. Hmm. And that's where we we have we, we can go beyond that. We can seminaries can add classes and do other things. That's fine. But if we we have to get that right, and if we don't get that right, we have to fix it. And anything that, that a, an institution wants to do beyond that is perfectly fine, but don't neglect that. And often it, what's happening is the, this, 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 this geopolitical discussions happening, an argument and that, is, that is taking us away from what's really important. Mm. And what's really important is that men are trained well for the ministry. And that can look differently at different times. And it's interesting that you know, Michael bringing up, and of course he's not here now, so we can say all sorts of stuff about him. That's right. Uh, but he's bringing up the, the idea of, uh, he kind of hints at this, there's these institutions and they're going to get accredited and they're going to do certain things to be accredited. And they're going to uh, have to charge a certain amount because they're accredited. And nobody here is saying that teachers shouldn't be paid. They should absolutely should be be paid right. and institutions have to get money in order to be to exist but a lot of times it puts seminarians into so much debt that they're coming out of seminary and it hinders them from being able to go on to the ministry mm-hmm. so i'm not saying i have the answer to that but that still is a problem that hopefully we can many people can try to figure out and fix yeah I, back, oh sorry no i i think for me again if I come back to this analogy of the, the medical school analogy, right. Mm -hmm. 
you actually don't go to medical school for, for just fun. Right. right. You don't, you don't, we don't just say, well, you know, if you can get in, you just, you should do it if you don't yeah. care about being a doctor. And, you know, I'm not even in, you know, I, I, I certainly agree with you on all those points, but I, you know, I think about the guy who's just, who's pretty educated, right. You know, the, mm -hmm. the new Calvinists tend to be right. Interested in theology. Mm -hmm. And I think there's lots who just go, you know, maybe I should just, I should go. And, and, you know, I, and I hope that, the church can still be a major school of Christ. And then in light of the, you know, often these expenses. Yeah. I, I think that if, if you're not being called to vocational ministry, hopefully you have access to a pastor. This is why you want to train pastor, right? So he can, right. So he can do this. So he can yeah. teach these things to you. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, you know, a, a person I have in mind often when I, when asked those kinds of questions. Well, I think there's this other thing, you know, we'll the, maybe two more issues before we, as I think through this, before we close, right. You know, Michael, he brought up this issue, which I think is, is a real one. This kind of, we might call it this issue of careerism that I've mm -hmm. got to, I've got to find a, a ministry job or maybe this, you know, lack of skills, right. I, I've wondered if, should we just tell, you know, tell young guys, actually just go get that welding certificate and become a welder and then and again not to not then not go to seminary right not right. to enter in the ministry but to to have a yeah. a more established life skill set i don't know what do you think about that yeah no i you know i i actually have to i've i've had to deal with this a lot just mm -hmm. being you know being a ruling elder and and having people come through that are interested in seminary um and it, it is perfectly fine for someone to to say, you know what? I think I'm called to the ministry. And I'm going to go. To, I want to go to seminary. That desire is a good desire. And then have them go. And after their first year, say, no, this is this is not for me. Hmm. We shouldn't look at that as a waste. And they've had a year of training of 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 education that can be used in the church. So I, I think that there are people that can go through seminary. Um, that in the end decide I'm not going to be a pastor be and, and have, and we shouldn't look at it and say, Oh, you should have just gone to get a, a welding degree or something. I know that's not really what you're saying, but you know that, Oh, we should never look at that as a waste because look at the training that they've had. And there are offices in the church that can use mm -hmm. that kind of training. And even if it's teaching Sunday school, the, the fact that you've had, you spent a year in seminary, it helps you understand the Bible, but it should help you understand the Bible better. But if there's somebody out there who is like, I, you know, I, seminary, yeah, I, I could see, but you know, I also, and they're wavering. They're not really sure what they're doing, what they're going to do. And you, you might want to look at them and say, you know what? You, you talked about going to get that, that welding degree or, you know, go to the training, the, the Votech training room. Go do that. Go do that. Go get your training. Because if the Lord is calling you to the ministry, you're always going to have that pull within you. Mm. And, you know, you don't want to ignore it. You don't want to run away from God. You don't want to be Jonah. You want to be honest with yourself. But you know what? There are people that, that um, want to go to seminary uh, because they just want to go to seminary. It seems like a good thing. And then they go and they either they don't do well or, and this is in the other end of what we're talking about. You have people who the church is looking at saying, you, you, you shouldn't go 
to seminary and they go, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an external and an internal call and you need both. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have both, you better listen to the church. Right. Yeah. I think even my, this, this uh, idea of like, maybe we need some more Votech training, I think is also me reading from my context and perhaps our cultural moment, which is always dangerous to do, but uh, we're here doing new Calvinism is we just might need a little more. My thought is we just might need a little more anti-fragile, a little more uncancelable kind of, of pastors. <laughs> well, everything's going cancelable. Well, we can cancel whatever we want. It's, it's harder to cancel a guy who goes, well, I can go weld, right? I don't need, you know, um, and I, I just think that that's a little something on my mind, but I think the last, the last issue when we think about seminary, when people wonder how necessary it is, is I think you've done an excellent case um, because obviously I, I'm certainly in agreement with you. I think, you know, perhaps even more than uh, Michael, which is why I wanted to, you know, keep trying to uh, get you guys going on it. But I think Michael it, and I are actually pretty close to what we I think. do too. I do yeah. too. I, th- you know, I think that the question is more of a, how are not is training necessary? Obviously I think we're all agreed on that mm-hmm. and not is, is even academic training necessary, mm-hmm. but how are the institute, right? When we come to the real life and we're saying, go to this institution, right? I think his question is, how is that institution actually doing at the things we have said are necessary? But my, you know, my final question is that I think we, you know, we would have a conversation about is, you know, wouldn't you say that, you know, and even in light of what you've shared in from the, the scriptures, isn't character, isn't mentorship, isn't that the most essential kind of training? Isn't that the thing you, we need That's, most in our pastors? It's very right? American. It's very American of you to, to try to find the most essential thing. I know. You know what's I know. the most, what's the, what's the, the greatest, cl- if I have to take one class. That's right. Um, it's, it's not Hebrew too. It's, it's, yeah. It's that's right. <laughs> but I think that, you know, we, we have seminarians in our, our church and you know, we've had them throughout the years and, you know, everything's important them learning uh, their classes, them passing their classes is important. How they handle their marriage and their children during seminary is important. Um, how they're the, opportunities for them to preach opportunities for them to go on hospital visits and uh, sit in session meetings and, and learn what it's like to be a clerk. All of it's important. The most important thing I I would think is actually maintaining a a good relationship with Christ. Mm. That, that is your passion to be a pastor centered on your love for Jesus. Mm. That's the most important thing. And that's, Maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but uh, no, or what you great. had in mind. It's it's just it's it's. I'm just not a big fan of the the pulling out the one thing. Maybe no, I, I, I think that's great. I think that again, right? We we think about this seminary. We think about this, and I think the other thing that has uh, that as over time has changed my view of this in the States around the world for the body of Christ is one we have, you know, there's, you know, the, the, the two sides of their stereotyped, right. Are we have the, the ivory tower, right. This is you Rob in your beautiful library, right. That you know, <laughs> these guys, they're so, you know, they're so academic. And again, I, obviously this is not 
this is a stereotype. And then there's the the practitioners, right? There were the, you know, the the what's who's the guy who said, like, I like my way of doing it evangelism a lot better than your way of not doing it. Is that uh is that Tozer? I don't or is that DL Moody? I can't I don't, remember. Wow. Well, I think, well, there, I don't I think know it's Moody. Reading, I think it's DL to... Moody. And right, and we have these kind of two things, but but really what we what we need are are people who can do both, who can reflect on the scriptures as they're doing this ministry. And what has kind of, what what has caused me to value trained clergy so much is is all the members of the body of Christ in local churches around the world, who Christ gave gifts of shepherds and teachers to them. And those people are precious in the sight of their father. They're precious in the sight of their savior. He died for them. And, and they, they deserve trained shepherds and leaders. Maybe they don't deserve it, but it's a grace God is giving them. But I think, see, I think that's the key there. And we didn't really have time. We were talking about, we kind of opened this up with Neo-Calvinism and, and in one sense, we really haven't really been talking about Neo-Calvinism. We've been talking about seminary in general, and that that goes for everyone. And um, because a lot of our discussion has been on the, the focus of what seminary is supposed to be and what the training is supposed to be. But you, you just said it right there. And we're pastors are called in the ministry to be shepherds. They are shepherds. And shepherds, you have to know your sheep, and you're going to be out in the field with your sheep, and you're going to trip over stones and and it's messy being a pastor being an elder in the church is messy and one of my um one of my good reformed baptist pastor friends once said that being a pastor is like being in the sewer you have to deal with the you you deal with what everybody else is like throwing away more often that's not all you deal with that's not all you do but so often the the call to being a pastor is getting that 2 a.m phone call and having to go to the hospital um, because somebody's sick or somebody died or go to the jail because somebody in your congregation got arrested or, or go to somebody's house because the, the husband and wife are, have been fighting for three hours and they've just are at the end of their marriage. And you, you have to have the theological training to be able to sit there and say, okay, let's sort this out and let's look at scripture and see what scripture has to say about that. Mm-hmm. But you also need that practical training to be able to look at them and say, you know, let's fight for your marriage. I'm married or I understand people and I understand that living together can be hard. And right now it sounds like you both are fighting over things that are small, but in your minds, they're big. And now let's take the next several hours to discuss them. That's being a pastor. Well, thanks for coming back on Restless Rob. Everyone, we didn't talk about it today, but we have a past interview with Rob. Go find either of his books, but specifically his new one, Seeker's Progress, available wherever fine books are sold. Thanks for coming along for another episode of Restless Summer. 
I'm enjoying my restless summer in a coffee shop with Rob's new book, Seeker's Progress. Get it on Amazon and rate and review this show. Have a good summer, man. All right, Michael, I'll, uh, I'll bring us in and we'll see if uh, you and Rob see eye to eye on seminary. As a guy in right. seminary, I probably shouldn't make any of my views known. Um, Come on, we're talking new Calvinism. <laughs> yeah, There's that's no true. such thing as waiting till you're qualified. So. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs>